The Thief of Always by Clive Barker Chapter 17 Cook, Cat, and Coffin Great to have you back, boy, Richta said, his smile as wide as ever. I told everyone you wouldn't be able to stay away. Nobody believed me. He's gone, they say. He's gone. But I knew better. He started to wander toward Harvey. I knew you wouldn't be satisfied with the little visit. Not with so much fun still to be had. I'm hungry, Wendell whined. Help yourself, Rufus grinned. Wendell was off at a sprint into the kitchen. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, he hollered. Look at all this food. Harvey didn't reply. Aren't you hungry? Richter said, raising an eyebrow high above his spectacles. He cupped his hand behind his ear. That sounds like an empty belly to me. Where's Mrs. Griffin? Harvey said. Oh, she's a round, Richter said mischievously. But she's getting old. She takes to her bed a good deal these days, so he laid her down somewhere safe and sound. As he spoke, there was a mewling sound from the living room, and there at the door stood Stew Cat. Richter scowled. Get out of here, cat, he spat. Can't you see we're having a conversation? But Stew Cat wasn't about to be intimidated. She sauntered over to Harvey rubbing herself against his legs. What do you want? Harvey said, going down on his haunches to stroke her. She purred loudly. Hey, that's fine and dandy, Richter said, putting off his anger in favor of a freshly polished smile. You like the cat. The cat likes you. Everybody's happy. I'm not happy, Harvey said. And why's that? I left all my presents here, and I don't know where. No problem, said Rictus. I'll find them for you. Would you do that, Harvey said. Sure, kid, said Rictus, persuaded that his charm was working again. That's what we're all here for, to give you whatever your heart desires. Hmm, I think maybe I left them up in my bedroom, Harvey suggested. You know, I think I saw him up there, Rictus replied. You stay right here. I'll be back. He took himself up the stairs two and three at a time, whistling tunelessly through his teeth as he ascended. Harvey waited until he disappeared from sight and then went to check on Wendell, letting Stew Cat slip away. Ah, now look at this. A voice said as he appeared at the kitchen door. It was Jive. He was standing at the stove, as sinewy as ever, juggling eggs with one hand and tossing pancakes in a pan with the other. What do you fancy, he said, sweet or savory? Nothing, Harvey said. It's all good, Wendell piped up. He was almost hidden behind a wall of filled plates. Try the apple turnovers. They're great. Harvey was sorely tempted. The buffet looked wonderfully tempting, but it was dust. He had to keep remembering that. Maybe later, he said, averting his eyes from the heaps of syrup-drenched waffles and bowls of ice cream. 
Where are you going? Jive wanted to know. Mr. Rictus is finding a few presents for me, Harvey said. Jive smiled with satisfaction. So, you're getting back into the swing of things, kiddo, he said. Good for you. I've missed being here, Harvey replied. He didn't linger, just in case Jive saw the lie in his eyes, but turned and headed back into the hallway. Strewcat was still there, staring at him. What is it? he said. The cat took off toward the stairs, then stopped and cast a backward glance. Have you something to show me? Harvey whispered. At this, the cat bounded off again. Harvey followed, except expecting her to lead the way upstairs. But before she reached the bottom step, she veered off to her left and led Harvey down a narrow passage to a door he had never even noticed before. He rattled the handle, but the door was locked. Turning to look for Stewcat, he found her rubbing her arched back against the leg of a small table set nearby. On the table was a carved wooden box. In the box was a key. He went back to the door, unlocked it, and pulled it open. There was a flight of wooden steps in front of him, leading him down into a darkness from which a sour, dank smell rose. He might have declined to descend had Stewcat not hurried on past him, down into the murk. With his fingers trailing on the damp walls to the left and right of him, he followed Stewcat to the bottom of the flight, counting the steps as he went. There were 52, and by the time he had descended them all, his eyes had become reasonably accustomed to the gloom. The cellar, cellar was cavernous, but empty, except for a litter of rubble and a large wooden box which lay in the dust maybe a dozen yards from where he stood. What is that? He hissed to his two cat, knowing the creature had no way of replying, but hoping for some sign nevertheless. Stewcat's only answer was to run across the floor and leap nimbly up onto the box, where it began to claw at the wood. Harvey's curiosity was stronger than his fear, but not so much stronger that he dashed to pull off the lid. He approached as though the box were some sleeping beast, which, for all he knew, it was. The closer he got, the more it resembled a crude coffin. But what kind of coffin was sealed with a padlock? Was this where Karna had been laid, perhaps, after the beast had dragged its wounded body back home? Was it even now listening to Stewcat scratch on the lid, waiting for release? As he came within a yard of the casket, however, he laid eyes on a clue to its contents, an apron string left hanging out of the box by whoever had locked it. He knew of only one person in the house who wore an apron. Mrs. Griffin, he whispered, digging his fingernails under the lid. Mrs. Griffin, are you in there? There was a muffled thump from inside. I'm going to get you out, he promised, hauling on the lid as hard as he could. He didn't have the strength to break the lock. In desperation, he began to search the cellar, looking for tool or something else, and found himself two sizable rocks, hefting them, he returned to the casket. This is going to be noisy, he warned Mrs. Griffin. Then, using one stone as a kind of chisel and the other as a hammer, he assaulted the lock. Blue sparks flew as he struck at the metal, but he seemed to be making no impression until, all of a sudden, 
The lock gave a loud crack and fell to the ground. He paused for a moment, a feather of doubt brushing his brow. Suppose it was Karna's coffin. Huh. Then he threw the rocks aside and hauled off the lid.